another episode of Wizards After Dark. I promise you a draft preview. And we very, very much have a draft preview. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I'm the host of this fine podcast. And this is a, this is a good episode. I already recorded it with two of my favorite draft experts out there, uh, Sam Vecini, who does all of our in-house draft stuff at The Athletic and just does an unbelievable job, and uh, Jonathan Wasserman as well, who also does a phenomenal job over at Bleacher Report doing NBA draft stuff for them. Obviously, uh, I recorded this earlier today on Monday. I'm uh, recording this intro late afternoon on Monday and then posting right away so you guys can listen. And you have a few days to listen before the actual draft happens on Thursday night. We talked all Wizards draft stuff, number nine pick, people they could potentially take, uh, everything along those lines. Spoke to Sam first for about 20 minutes. Spoke to Jonathan second for about 20 minutes as well. So I'm just splicing those conversations in there back to back. As always, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Listen to Wizards After Dark. I will be doing an episode right after the draft on Thursday night or maybe uh, Friday morning. But I will be doing a draft reaction episode no matter what happens with them. And no matter who they take and no matter what happens in the second round, the first round, whatever. I'll be doing one. I'll be doing a reactionary one. And so there's going to be two episodes this week. If they have an emergency hire or something like that, I will do an emergency pod. Uh, we're going to talk to Tommy Shepard after the draft, too, on Thursday. So there will be a lot to talk about in that episode. Until then, let's uh, let's get going with Sam and John. So I got Sam Vecini on the line. Good buddy. Now my colleague drinking buddy in Vegas every summer league, and uh, hopefully we are now going to soberly go over what the heck the Wizards are going to do in the draft right now, because here's the weird thing, and Sam, I know you're on the same page as me as this, like, we try to figure out, like, the team that I'm covering, I try to figure out who they're going to take, right? That's part of my job. I figure out who they're interested in, and what kind of guys they like, and what kind of people they like, and what kind of traits they like in players, and what they value, and who they've worked out, and all those things. And, like, the Wizards just aren't really signaling anything toward any particular guy, right? Like, more so than your average team that's in the lottery. The Wizards right now are a significant pain in my ass, like, trying to figure out what they are going to do uh, on draft day. And you know what? That's probably how Tommy Shepard wants it, right? Like, that's exactly uh, what the folks running the organization want. So, on some level, kudos to them, right? Uh, they, they've done really well in keeping us all on our toes in this industry. Also, I, I think that part of it might be because, you know, I'm not sure that they know what they're going to do yet. Yeah, I mean, we know Tommy Shepard's going to be making the pick. You lock that in. That's absolutely yeah. for sure. We know it's going to be Tommy Shepard. We know it's going to be all the people who are in that already in that front office right now when we're in that front office a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and so on. They are making the pick on Thursday night, for sure. We're recording this Monday at 2 p.m., by the way. Uh, Those guys are going to make the pick. Like, that's happening. I wonder, so they brought one thing I wanted to Is there somebody who you look at and you're like, that's who I think they are going to, uh, that's who I think they're going to target, or at least that's who I think makes sense? So there are a few guys that I think make a lot of sense, um, but I, I can't really sit here and say that like I have any inkling on who they're actually going to target, if that makes sense, right? Like, 
I think you can very easily make a case that, like, if if, uh, Cam Reddish falls to nine, they should just take Cam Reddish. They've traded away Kelly Oubre. They've traded away Otto Porter. They have a significant need in the front court. Uh, I don't really have a great feel for what their international scouting department looks like right now. Um, how much work have they done into someone like Sekou Dumbuya? Uh, I think that that's a tremendous fit, uh, potentially at number nine if he's on the board. Like, th- there are guys that make sense for them from a positional and from a timeline perspective. Uh, another thing that just generally throws this for a loop, though, is I'm going off of what I think their timeline should be versus what we know their timeline is going to be because in some respects they don't know what their timeline is going to be because a uh, executive is going to come in at some point and going to make what is ultimately the biggest call on their timeline in whether or not they move Bradley Beal. So at the end of the day, there are just too many variables right now for Washington to where I can say, with any sort of confidence what they're going to do on draft night. So if I'm the Wizards, and this is this is me projecting onto them, this is my opinion. If I'm the Wizards, I'm shooting for the, a kind of potentially high-risk, high-reward guy for the slot that they're in right now. They're a number nine in a draft that's pretty weak for number nine to have number nine in this draft. This is one of those times where, like, yeah, they might be able to go get a guy who could be like a, a Nasir Little who worked out for them today. Good switchy defender. Maybe he'll shoot better than he did in college. I know he's really worked on changing his form uh, with uh, with one of his trainers that he has where he used to hold the ball too close to his head and they've gotten him to bring it out. And supposedly he's shot a lot better during workouts and teams seem to be less concerned about his shooting than they were when they saw him play when he didn't really take threes and he didn't really hit them when he did take them at UNC. But, like, he's a guy who's, like, 3 and D, could end up being a nice role player. Everybody says he's a great kid. Uh, not a ton of upside, but maybe a little safer at 9. If I'm the Wizards, like... I think the Sears upside's a little bit higher than yours, than you really? do. But, yeah, continue. So. I'm, I'm shooting for, like, a Dumboya type. Because I just yeah, feel like yeah. with the position that they're in organizationally and the position that they're in in the draft, I think that's where you can take your swing. Because your chances of missing are already higher than they are in your average draft because this draft is just weaker. So I'm going to go for that Dumboya type. And that doesn't necessarily mean take the risk on the guy with the character issues. And I'm not saying Dumboya is one of those guys. That's why I'm naming him. That doesn't necessarily mean, oh, this guy fell because of character. That's when you take your risk. I mean, there are guys like Dumboya was when a few years ago, he's a guy who people thought was going to be unbelievably awesome and was not going to slide to the middle or end of the lottery or middle of the first round or whatever it is when he was a 15 or 16 year old. Now it's a few years later and he hasn't progressed like a lot of people thought, but maybe you get him under your umbrella, you coach him right, you develop him well. Like that's a guy who can end up outperforming his draft position. And I feel like with the position the Wizards are in, in both organizationally and where they're picking the draft, that's just, I'm not saying it's the right strategy. It's just what I'd go with. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Uh, just in regard to, again, what their timeline is. Seku, I think, is a little bit farther away from like being an impact player, right? But having said that, 
if their timeline is a little bit farther out because they're moving Bradley Beal this summer um, and they're not planning on competing at the highest levels, then yeah, taking a high upside player like Seku I think makes a lot of sense. Like, there's a world where Seku becomes Pascal Siakam, like, part two. I think of his most likely outcome as being, like, a good starting quality player. But... At the end of the day, I think I agree with you that if I was them, I would probably be swinging for the fences here. Yeah. I mean, look, I think you can go with that approach even if you don't trade Bradley Beal. Like, mm-hmm. if they hold on – they had Bradley Beal last year and they lost 50 games. They enter this offseason with Bradley Beal, with the roster constructed exactly as it is. They have six guys on the roster for next year. They are, I'll tell you this much, they are. They don't have to, but they are going to operate as an above-the-cap team because of the cap holds they have on their books because they would like to re-sign Sadoransky and Thomas Bryant and, you know, potentially Bobby Portis, depending on what the market is for him. But if you have those guys, just like Sadoransky and Thomas Bryant, you have those guys' cap holds on your books – it's taking you to where you don't have significant cap room. The cap room doesn't matter. You might as well be over the tax or over the cap, so that way you can use your mid-level exception and pay a guy eight and a half million a year with that. Uh, so it's a, it's a real question too. Like they just don't flexibility. Sh- They're not going. Well, should move. they just? Well, should they just like restart and not pay these guys like crazy amounts of money? I mean, there's a reasonable argument to be made for that. I, I don't think Thomas Bryan is going to command crazy amounts of money. Right. Uh, I think I think the league has done a pretty good job realizing that uh, offensive-minded centers are, I've said this on the podcast before, are the running backs of the NBA now. And, have, yeah. and, and that you can acquire them for both for cheap, you can acquire them later in the draft. And Thomas Bryan has great potential as an offensive center. He really does, and he had a really, really nice year for them this year. If he ends up being ridiculously expensive, depending on who's running them, it's plausible that they let him walk, but I don't know if he's going to be that. I think it's possible he gets the mid-level exception. That's a possibility, but I, I think it's also yeah. possible he's like a taxpayer mid-level guy where he makes five a year. He gets something like 18 for three years. Um, I could see it being higher than that. I could see him making seven to ten a year. That's that's and that's totally that's possible. a movable deal too. At yeah, the end of the day. I mean, like Thomas Bryant's also twenty one. They love him from a personal standpoint. Somebody with the Wizards yep. told me recently that he works as hard as any player that they've he's ever worked with. Uh, they they love him as a teammate. They love him as a guy. Like Thomas Bryant will probably improve because Thomas Bryant really works hard and knows what he's not good at and doesn't really have an ego. I mean, that's a those are all signs that someone's going to improve. So you give him seven million, like I, I I don't have a problem with that, you know? Yeah, Tom Crean will also go to bat for you, uh, on Thomas Bryant being like one of the hardest workers he's ever been around too. Um Yeah, I mean like that's a tradable contract. Uh Sadaran I think is the really interesting one because there's like a world where someone really values him, I think, and gets him to the stage where maybe the wizards start like thinking about this separately, right? Um, I I would just make sure that every deal that I'm signing this summer is one that I feel confident could be dealt. You know what I mean? For sure. That's the biggest, like, number one key right now. Um, I'm trying to think what else. What else? Uh, In regard to the draft, 
Yeah, I mean, like, I think that the other thing we haven't really talked about is just taking centers, right? Uh, we haven't really talked about Goja yet. We haven't really talked about Jackson Hayes yet. I- I'm trying to figure out, like, are those guys realistically going to be in the mix? Or do they just look at their center situation and say, all right, we have Thomas or we have Thomas Bryant, who we're going to try and re-sign. We have Dwight Howard and Jan Mahimi looks for the next year. Uh, obviously, I would imagine that Dwight probably isn't going to play a significant role in their thought process, but like, and Jan Mahimi shouldn't. But do we look at this as a circumstance where we feel like we can take care of center versus a circumstance where uh, center is legitimately on the table for uh, their number nine pick? Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you what, and this is, again, me projecting and not saying what they necessarily believe. It's just what I believe. They have a quantity – they have quantity of centers. But they don't – and I like Thomas Bryant, but they don't have quality of centers enough to where it should determine who they take. The Wizards roster is kind of empty enough to where I, I think they just – they take best available. Whoever you think is the best available, I don't care what role you project that guy to play. I don't care what position you project that guy to play. You can make him fit. Like, Troy Brown is not good enough to block a ball-dominant wing. Uh, Bradley Beal is flexible enough to where he can play next to any kind of player. Uh, and yep. Thomas Bryant, like I said, is a really good offensive center but and, and will almost certainly continue to get better. He's really young. But... He's not good enough to where if you really like Jackson Hayes and you think he's worth the ninth pick, like go get Jackson Hayes then. Like go go get go get a center if you think that's the best guy. Dwight Howard, I don't know what's going to happen with Dwight Howard. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they sent, tried to trade him or sent him home next year or something along those lines because if you've got a team that you know at the start of the year is going to win 25 games – which is a possibility for this team, depending on what happens over the summer. You know that team is going to be 25 and 57. You're not going to start Dwight. Like, you're going to give Thomas Bryant 32 minutes. Or if you draft Jackson Hayes, you're going to give Thomas Bryant and Jackson Hayes minutes. You're going to give the young guys minutes, Troy Brown, all those guys. Like, Dwight Howard doesn't do anything for you. So what's the point of having him there. I mean, I think you try to find a way to put him somewhere else if you're the Wizards and you find yourself in that situation. So Dwight Howard should not be blocking them from picking anybody. And I don't anticipate that will be the case either. So I don't really care about the centers being on the roster. Like, who cares? Even if you have all those guys on your roster going next year, who cares if you have four centers? Just, Just get good players. What they need more than anything else is talent. Like Sometimes we overthink the fit and that kind of stuff. It's just like sometimes when you're not good, the thing that's going to make you good the quickest is just having good players. And it's that simple, you know? Yeah, it is. But I think it's all about trying to find what guys are easiest to find and what guys are hardest to find. Yes, for sure. Like, you know, like you said, centers are the running backs of the league now, uh, particularly offensive-minded ones. For me personally, like, I would be taking Seku over even someone. That's a good question. Would I take Goja over Seku? I would probably take Seku over Goja, if only because where Bitadzi brings value is as, like, a pick-and-roll playmaker, and he won't really have, like, a pick-and-roll guy next year to really operate with, right? 
So, like, if I'm them, I'm looking forward. I'm looking Reddish, Dumbuya, Little, maybe even make a case for Brandon Clark. Um, like, I'm looking, I'm looking in that world. Uh, maybe Rui Achimura, if you're higher on Rui um, than I am. But, like, someone like that, I think, makes a lot of sense. You could even make, like, I think Kevin Porter's really good. Kevin Porter is not invited to the NBA draft because there are concerns about where exactly he's going to go. Um, his talent says, like, top ten pick, but, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that that's where he's going to be picked. So a couple other guys I wanted to mention to you. Uh, so the guys we know the Wizards have worked out are Kobe White, Nasser Little, um, Keldon Johnson is one of them. And Kelvin Johnson is an interesting one to me. I mean, Johnson and White are both interesting for me for totally opposite reasons, right? Because White, I do not anticipate him to fall to number nine. And yeah. Johnson, I very much expect to go past number nine. Uh, give yeah, me, I would have said – Give Kelvin's me the one to ten was... scale. Yeah, give me the one to ten scale on how surprised you'd be if, if Kelvin Johnson went number nine. Hmm. I mean, like, on some level, like, it'd be a five just because, like, I don't know what the hell the Wizards are going to do. Um, but, yeah, I would be surprised if only because Keldon, while being a very good player, also uh, wouldn't really fit from an upside standpoint, um, wouldn't really fit, like, helping them, like, make – like – to me is a really good, like fourth or fifth guy, uh, fourth or fifth starter. You know what I mean? Like not a guy that's going to make like a wild impact on the floor, but he can knock down shots. He can drive in a straight line and attack closeouts. He was a good passer at youth levels. Didn't really translate to Kentucky necessarily. Okay. Defender foot speeds, like a little bit of a concern. Like it, he's just to me, like a really, 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 really good role player who can do a lot of stuff. I think that his range is more like 13 to 22 or something like that. You know, 13 to 23 maybe. Like nine would be nine would be a tough one for me. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, also, by the way, there is – I'm not saying it's, it's 100% happening. It's very far from that. Uh, it's been thrown around internally, and I know this is totally – out of character for the organization because they haven't really done it. But but there is – it's been thrown around the Wizards could buy a second-round pick. So watch out for Jordan Bone as a possibility. Watch out for Tremont Waters as a possibility if they were to do that. Um, I think either of those guys, uh, you know, the possibility of them taking a, a point guard in the second round and the possibility of them bringing over like an Aaron White or uh, – Yusuf Sanon, who who they drafted in the second round last year and and in previous years respectively, uh, bringing those guys over or one of those guys over for next year uh, and drafting a guy in the second round for next year also. I mean that's a that's that's potentially depending on what you pay for that second round pick. That's potentially a cheap way to get somebody if you do really like those guys. And I do think they like Jordan Bone and I do think they like Waters. It's interesting. You know, I'm. I like Tremont a little bit more than I like Jordan. Jordan has an interesting upside for sure, just because uh, Jordan is 
capable of getting separation at an extraordinarily high level because he's a super high level athlete. But the decision making, the shooting, all that stuff isn't really there yet. To me, like he is Capital City Go Go's, you know, written all over him. But yeah. I mean, that's look, fine. Second, like you can second do round that, pick, you know. Yeah, second round pick. I'll tell you what, the Wizards, The Wizards. one thing they want to do next year, and I think this is going to be true no matter who is running their team, is they want to be, like, they want the Capital City Go-Go to be their AAA affiliate to the extreme. Like, they want full-on baseball yep. the way that that's going to work. And so, yeah, drafting guy in the second round, just having him mostly play with the Go-Go, that's fine. Like, they want to develop somebody. I don't think they expect to draft one of those guys, and all of a sudden he's great the next year. Tremont Waters, by the way, sounds like the name of an apartment complex. Draymond Waters. It sounds like it sounds like the name of a, of an apartment complex that would like misleadingly not be anywhere near a body of water. Yeah, well, it would be like this like ritzy high end Georgetown complex in Washington D.C. Right? Oh, we're going to the Tremont Waters exactly. tonight. Exactly. Um, I, I will say this: if if Yusuf Sanon comes over. Uh, He'll be spending his year with the Go-Go's. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I think Aaron White would be the uh, the greater possibility of those two guys coming over. I haven't really followed Aaron since he's gone overseas. Is, is he, like, doing well? I hope he is. I think he's doing okay, yeah. I mean, I think the Wizards are they, – they, they kind of like him. Like, I, I – I'm putting it at – let's see. I'll set the odds because who really cares? Uh, I'll right. say this 50-50 that he's on the Wizards next year. Not on the go-go, on the Wizards. Like, fully on the Wizards. I mean, here's the thing. Like, if he's had any modicum of success over there as a guy that started as, like, someone making, I think he was making, like, $100,000 his first year. Um, yeah, that's a guy that is probably making pretty real money in Europe right now. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Although I don't actually know so, what his like, salary is off the top of my head. Yeah, that that's something worth looking into just because, you know, I, again, I haven't really followed Aaron White all that much. I know he's from Ohio, which is great. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't really – I can't really tell you, like, who, who he's even playing for right now, to be honest. Um, plug, I know you, uh, you got to run in a second. You're a very busy man. I appreciate you coming on. Plug uh, plug your great work and, and tell my listeners all the awesome stuff that you've got coming out. So Aaron White was playing for Jaguaris and started a lot of games for Jaguaris last year. He actually, yeah, he'd be making really good money in Europe. Uh, he's a Euroleague guy. Anyway, go to the Athletic uh, Top 120 uh, big board just came out. We'll have a mock draft up on Tuesday. We will have uh, – I wrote something on the Anthony Davis deal, just kind of dumping a lot of intel and stuff like that on Saturday. Uh, what, what else? I have stuff on international guys coming, so if you want to learn more about Sekou Dumbuya, who we talked about here, uh, that will be up on the website on Wednesday maybe. Uh, but, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's about all I got for you guys. So thanks for go, – go support Fred. Fred's the best, and I'm excited. I'm going to need to drink. Uh, Whenever we get to Vegas uh, after this week, drinking in Vegas, never. You'll look. Did you see that yeah. Norm Powell interview from the Raptors parade today? Over under the Draymond interview. Um, it's it's an all timer. 
I'll put it at Is that. it really? It's an all-timer. Okay. It's 25 seconds of your life, but it actually ends up being uh, two minutes of your life because you're going to watch it four times in a row because it's hilarious. It's him extremely wasted and very clearly so at the parade dumping beer on a reporter's head during an interview after screaming. Oh, wow. That's, and it that's is, unreal. It is – the reporter – can't stop laughing uh and it is so funny and it is absolutely worth searching on twitter um over is it over under brett hall starting to sing gloria at the podium uh while wearing a rick flair drip t-shirt with like beer in hand you know amazingly because i just don't know anything about hockey i have not seen that but i it sounds like i need to dude Brett Hall, the last, like, two weeks, not not even two weeks, like two months during this Blues playoff run, it has been an epic run of drunkenness. Like, they keep putting him on TV, and every time, Brett Hall just spits pure gold. And I am so happy for it. Uh, that's the perfect that is the perfect way to end this thing. I'm going to be coming up with uh, Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report in about one second, so you guys will be hearing my voice after this very, very short graphic that I'm going to splice in right now. So we just got done with Sam, and now on the Skype line from Bleacher Report, another great draft guy, does awesome work at BR, Jonathan Wasserman. Hey, what's doing, Fred? I'm excited to have you on. We've never podcasted before. I don't think No, we haven't. This yeah. is a first, people. This is a first. This is a first. Uh... I know when you go into the draft, the number one thing you're thinking is what the hell is going to happen at nine. So, <laughs> so before uh, we get to it, I want to know your. I, I, I went over a bunch of different guys with with Sam. I'm wondering if you think there's anybody who's a particularly good fit for the Wizards. Whoever is the best player available, there's no such thing as fit. I think particularly in this situation with the Wizards, you know, the roster is kind of. I don't want to say blank, but it's kind of, you know, you're starting from a clean slate uh, with, with Johnny Wall probably going to miss next season. And so, you know, wh- whoever is the best player on their board, I wouldn't worry about shape or position or whether he could shoot or uh, the best guy. And it seems like right now there's kind of a top eight solidifying, <laughs> which, uh, you know, figures for, for Wizards fans, Zion, Ja, RJ, Darius Garland, Kobe White, DeAndre Hunter, Jared Culver, and Cam Reddish. I expect to go in some order top eight. And then at number nine, you know, you're looking at a handful of guys that I'm sure Sam already talked about, whether it's Siku Dumboya from France or Jackson Hayes from Texas, Nazir Little from UNC, who I believe was in Washington today. Yes, he was. And he was there with Kobe White, who's kind of a guy who I want to talk about. So he's interesting because I have no indication that he's going to be around at number nine. And yet the Wizards, I believe, met with him in Chicago at the NBA Combine. They have him in for a workout three days before the draft, which he comes to, and I believe was his last workout before the draft starts. Uh, The Wizards seem to really like him, and I just don't think he's going to be around at nine. Uh, He's he's kind of a similar role to Bradley Beal, this scoring guy who could be a one, could be a two. He's kind of just the modern combo guard, which back in the day we called like a guard tweener, and now we just call a versatile guard who can score, and... (laughs) <laughs> That's just how the NBA works nowadays. I, I don't know what to make 
of the Kobe White thing. Uh, I think he could be a, a really good scorer. I could see that happening. But I don't know what to make of Kobe White uh, being there because I just, I just don't see him number nine, right? Yeah, I mean, when you, when you look at the teams in front of them um, with Chicago and Phoenix um, and uh, you know possibly New Orleans, although I, I wouldn't expect them to go that far, but uh, yeah, it seems like somebody's going to grab him, and um, he would be the best player available on my board if he lasted till number nine. And uh, like you said, we can label him whatever we want. He's just a, an all-around guard. I think you'd probably play him. He'd be a lead ball handler. So he actually, I think, fits pretty well next to next to Beal next year. Um, he, he ranked as one of the top pick-and-roll passers in this year's draft, and that's something he's still got to continue to improve on his floor game and getting guys involved uh, because he is a scorer first. But like you said, versatile, plays on or off the ball, shot uh, like 47% on spot-up jumpers this season. So uh, I think he's one of those guards who's going to fit anywhere, but uh, ideally he's the one who brings the ball up the court and, and makes the first decision. Yeah, and so here's the thing. Like, the thing that, the, the question to ask is, wait, are the Wizards moving up? Is that what it is? And I, the answer is not absolutely, but it is a, an intuitive question to ask when you center around a guy like Kobe White. And... One thing that I will say, just to kind of dispel that, is the one way the Wizards have to move up is obviously Bradley Beal, and Shams reported earlier today that New Orleans is monitoring the Bradley Beal situation. Uh, I know David Griffin is a very big, who just took over New Orleans, is a very big Bradley Beal fan. I know that that's true. In this year's draft, New Orleans has number four right now after the Anthony Davis trade. In this year's draft, number four for Bradley Beal, and this is just like not even just my opinion. This is just consensus around the league. This year's draft, which is really top two and then a number three and then kind of everybody else, number four for Bradley Beal is not nearly enough for a guy of Bradley Beal's caliber when Beal has two years left on his deal. It's, it's just not enough. It would have to be way more than that, and I think – Dispelling all of that would be the fact that I just can't imagine an interim guy making a trade involving Bradley Beal. And the Wizards will have an interim guy in Tommy Shepard running them on draft night. I just don't see any possibility of that. So I just kind of wanted to – I mean I, this is really just what I believe, but I just don't – I can't imagine that happening. I just no. can't imagine that happening. Yeah, I'd say there's no way. There's no way that – he pulls off a trade, and, and the the featured asset is that number four pick. Because honestly, the difference between number four and number six in this draft is is a crapshoot. Who knows? And um, I, I, you know, like you said, he still has time left on his deal. They're not going to rush anything. And certainly, for a, not for a, a number four pick, which just offers zero certainty of of what type of player you're getting there. So. Um, I, I'm sure they're going to look to, you know, see if they can move up. It doesn't seem like they have what it takes to make that happen, assuming Bradley Beal is not going to be in the deal. But also, you see some of these teams, they meet with guys that they know they're not going to draft. I think I said it the other day, you know, the Knicks met with Mo Bamba last year, right before the draft, um, and kept in touch with him. And they they were never going to draft Mo Bamba. It's just establishing relationships is part of it. Um, it doesn't hurt just to be prepared in case Colby White does slip. Um, but yeah, I'm sure he is a target. It doesn't seem like he's a likely guy they could trade up for based on what they have. But uh, yeah, he would be a, a pretty ideal guy if they can if they can somehow manage to find a way uh, to, to leave the draft with Kobe. Where do you stand on Cam Reddish? Oof, what a tough tough guy to evaluate. Um, I, I still have him. Um, I believe number six overall on my board or something like that. 
And honestly, I would take him if I was the Wizards, assuming Kobe was gone. Um, I think Atlanta, at number eight, poses a threat. Just, you know, he fits really nicely in there between Trey and John Collins. But I, I imagine Cam Reddish is going to be a better pro than he was college player. Um, uh, you know, yeah, you just have to project, you know, five years down the line and, and not the first two. And um, he just has he has the game. He's got he's got the size and, and the skill set. I mean, he's got to put it all together and kind of pick his spots a little bit better. I buy into the shot making, two and a half threes per game. I buy into his defensive tools translating to defensive value. A guy who reacts pretty well can switch on to different players. Um, so I, I think he's got that three and D floor. So that's why I feel pretty good about him taking him in that late lottery range. The question is, you know, how, how much does he improve off the dribble, you know, inside the arc, uh, separating into shots one-on-one, finishing in traffic, which he really sucked at, honestly. And uh, and so we'll see how much he improves. But at the same time, I think he's he's an NBA player with that shooting and defense. Yeah, the thing that worries me about, like, the effort concerns is that it wasn't just at Duke. Like, you talk to – I didn't see him play in high school, but you talk to people who did see him play in high school, they all say the same thing. They all say that it's a – it's a consistent thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that sort of stuff is changeable. But I said, I said, I mean, you said at the start that you think that they should just take the best available player, and I 100% agree with you. I kind of think because of the position that they're in, both as an organization and the position and where they're picking in the draft, they're in a spot where they can take a big swing at a guy, take a swing at a Dumboya who has just kind of a high upside kind of guy because they're probably going to have time to wait and develop somebody. And if people are scared off by – reddish because they think they can't figure out a way to make him tick and he's just gonna kind of always have i mean you know have that he gets compared to jeff green you know he's gonna have those jeff green vibes and you feel like you can figure out a way to make him tick and it's gonna take time or whatever like maybe that's a spot where you do it maybe that's a spot where you go with Dumboya. i know wizards fans like wizards twitter man <laughs> it's unreal if you mentioned to wizards twitter or wizards reddit anything about the number nine pick do you know who they jump all over? The oh, name. Siku? No. Bol- oh. Well, Siku's up there, but Bulbul. They are yeah. obsessed with Bulbul, and I am I think I'm going to disappoint them right now. Well, it goes it goes right along the lines of your home run swing, you know. Yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you this. They're not drafting Bulbul. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine they would. They, they are not going to draft Bulbul. I'm so, I'm so sorry to Wizards <laughs> Twitter. It's not happening. Like, I would, if you give me a list of 12 possible guys who could go number nine and I had to rank the likelihood, 12, like, realistic guys who could go number nine and one of them was Bol Bol, and I had to rank the likelihood of the Wizards drafting them, Bol Bol would be number 12. So are you saying that just be, are you talking about because of the injury risk and how fragile he could be based, you know, already with John Wall? Along with the personality issues, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah Bull is another guy like Reddish um, who, who, entering college, there are a lot of question marks about his effort and motor and sense of urgency. Really the same exact criticisms we had um, of Reddish. But I think with Bull, I mean, those those legs, those legs are so skinny and so fragile, I'd, I'd be scared to take a shot at him that high, particularly with, with what you got going on with John. Yeah, and and to be clear, like, I don't know if Atlanta wants to take him. Like, Atlanta's got 8 and 10. Usually when you have two picks in the exact same range, people expect you to take a big swing at somebody with one of those picks, right? Mm-hmm. Like like last year when the Clippers were 12 and 13 or whatever they were, 11 and 12, 
a lot of people thought like, oh, you know what? They're going to take – when Michael Porter Jr. starts falling. It's like, oh, they're going to take Michael Porter Jr. with one of them. There was talk leading into the draft about them maybe taking Robert Williams, who ended up falling a lot in that draft. But Robert Williams, similar type of thing. There were – people were wondering about his motor and his motivation and how his personality would work in the NBA. And he was this unbelievably athletic big man coming out of Texas A&M and – he was looked at as like a risky, high upside guy, and there was there was this thought of like those two guys are grouped together. So, you know, I don't know what Atlanta's thinking. Atlanta has eight and ten. Maybe Atlanta wants to take a risk with one of those picks. And Travis Schlank is going to do what he believes. We haven't seen a lot of evidence on Travis Schlank as a guy running an organization, but one thing I think we can say for sure is that he is going to do what he believes is the right decision for an organization. He's not going to succumb to any sort of outside noise or anything like that. Uh, but at least for the Wizards at number nine, that is a guy. It's just it's not going to happen. They're not going to take him. So uh, we're talking about character concerns and all that. I think the sleeper guy to look at at number nine could be Nazir Little, Little who was there today. and um, he's, he's one of those guys who is... Uh, he's improves his stock during this pre-draft process because he's interviews well. He's got great character and uh, charisma, just a likable guy uh, who kind of gets a pass um, based on his role at North Carolina. When you see him in an empty gym and you see he's six six seven one wingspan, 220. I heard he shot lights out the other day in a Celtics workout, and I'd imagine that he shoots pretty well in an empty gym or a lot better than he did when he was guarded at North Carolina. And one of those guys who who could really improve his stock during this pre-draft process, which is really made for players like him who, who don't have um, great or, or suitable roles for him to really showcase his NBA skills in college. So, I, I don't know, depending on who is left on the board, I, I'd, I'd watch out for Nas Little as a sleeper at nine. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, he is. You talk to him for five minutes, and, and you can see why people say what they say about him, like, as a dude. Mm-hmm. He's really impressive. And, and the Wizards would be a little bit early in his range, but I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, part of Tommy Shepard's thing is he wants high character, great culture guys. You know, that was that was the thing the Wizards were really trying to change even before they fired Ernie Grunfeld. Like that was a that really went into their reasoning at drafting Troy Brown at number fifteen because you talk to Troy Brown and Troy Brown is nineteen years old still and like it, he's like my fa- he like acts like my dad like. <laughs> He just he's 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 an old soul and this ridiculously smart um, and not just intelligent but mature. I mean, kid, like yeah. kid, teenager. You know, uh, he, he's the same age I was when I was a freshman in college, and I was a an idiot. Uh, <laughs> like he's he's just is very impressive guy, and that impressive is not a word you use for teenagers very often. Uh, I, Little would be a, I wouldn't I'm not gonna say Washington is early for him. It's just the early part of his range because I know Atlanta likes him and I think he worked out for Atlanta and Atlanta, like I said, is eight and ten. Miami is barely after Washington and Charlotte is barely after Washington. Those teams like him. Uh, I think the Spurs like him as well. And he's a guy who also like he's a modern NBA player, right? Like ideally, if you have him, if he learns how to shoot and shoots better than he did at UNC, and I know he's worked on changing his shooting form, like he's a guy who can guard multiple positions and probably switch onto, you know, if he can guard ones and twos, he can probably, or he can guard twos and threes, he can probably switch onto ones and fours, you know, mm-hmm. and like he's athletic and he's got the wingspan, and if he can shoot as well, like that is your prototypical modern day. NBA player, you know, so so I think uh, 
he would make sense. I mean, that would be a guy who would who would make sense there. I think that's a good one. Yeah, I admit he's not my, he's not top ten for me. He's I mean, I'm not even sure he's top twenty for me. But uh, in that range, like I said, there's no there's nobody who stands out as that can't miss obvious guy. So that's where I think he he's going to have an advantage there um, with still that untapped potential and like you said, a fit because of how many positions he can both play and, and guard. Yeah, I mean, look, like you say. That that moment that you just had, by the way, is so indicative of what this draft class is. Like you said, like he's not even top twenty for me, but he's a candidate for number nine. Right. Like that's just what this. It's so close from like number four to number twenty three, number twenty five, whatever right. it is. Like this, these guys are so close, and so much of it just has to do. There are going to be so many differing opinions from organization to organization because you can just. Whenever someone is flawed, you can overanalyze them, and it just depends on what kind of glasses you're looking at them with. You know, mm-hmm. I talked to an exec, an exec the other day who had you know, Bruno Fernando from Maryland. He had him number eight on his board. There are more scouts who have him in the 30s. I mean, just in an unbelievable range. And these guys, right? These guys have such wide draft ranges um, that it's difficult to predict who's who's going to go where and uh, you know who should go where. Yeah. It's really tough. Any anybody else? Any other thoughts you have on the Wizards about number nine on someone you think might be a a good fit there? Anybody you think who might unexpectedly fall? A Darius Garland, DeAndre Hunter. We talked Kobe White a little bit. Jared Culver. Yeah, I think those point guards are going to go. Uh, Siku Dimboya is is the obvious guy who I guess he's not. You know, if he went number nine, he wouldn't be falling. Um, I could see you know people being turned off by Cam Reddish and him possibly being there. He, uh, or, or even DeAndre Hunter as a guy who's turning 22 years old. Um, I, I, a guy that we haven't talked about who I think is going to be right in the range, and and t- to me, he, I have him number five overall, Jackson Hayes from Texas. Uh, just a, a 6'11", you know, runs and jumps so effortlessly. Reminds me a little bit of Mitchell Robinson, what he did with the Knicks, and one of those just safe safe plays. You know, I, I know exactly what he's going to do in the NBA He's probably going to be able to do it quickly. He's also just turned 19 years old, and even if he never develops uh, a big uh, hook shot or, or an outside shot, I'm pretty sure he can make an impact just by running, jumping, reacting, using his, his size and instincts to, to get you easy baskets, to protect the rim, to switch. And so he's one of those safe plays if they're looking to make um, just, to, just to get a guaranteed asset on the team. Somebody to think about uh, at number nine. Yeah. Well, uh, plug, you do great work at BR. Uh, I'm Thanks. sure a lot of people who listen to this podcast already read your stuff and follow you, but uh, plug some of your stuff because I'm sure you got a lot of great stuff coming out this week, and I know you've had some some really good stuff uh, in the past week or two as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've all read about 17 mock drafts within the last two days, but uh, I'll have one coming out, uh, I believe, Wednesday uh, that will be constantly being updated up until draft night. Um and yeah, that's pretty much it at this point. We're uh, we're into mock drafts, and um, and we'll have some obviously post draft analysis on Friday, and do doing a lot of podcasts in between. So uh, you know you know the deal. Keep uh, tune in for some for some draft coverage. Yes, and uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark if you just so happen to be listening to this and you're not a subscriber. Click on that subscribe button. It's free. And uh, it's only one click, so you don't even have to worry about the carpal tunnel that it'll cause you. Uh, give us five ratings. Uh, leave a nice review on iTunes. That's always lovely. Uh, I'm, I'm pr- probably going to do a episode. 
I'm definitely going to do an episode after the draft. I'm probably going to do one just like in the middle of the night on Thursday. Technically, I guess on Friday morning after the draft when I'm done writing and all that stuff. And I'm going to try to convince Standick to come on and podcast with me after that. And uh, he's usually down. So I think we're going to be able to make that happen. So in all likelihood, I'm going to be back on Thursday after the draft talking about whoever the Wizards picked at number nine or maybe whoever they pick in the second round if they somehow end up acquiring a second round pick there but I'll be back then thanks to John thanks to Sam for coming on and helping me out with this draft preview podcast and I will talk to you guys soon.